The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Age of Darkness. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. Welcome to another episode of the Remembrancer's Retreat. I'm your intrepid adjunct host, Jason, and today we are taking all of you guys through the Iron Warriors and why they're terrific. I got two co-hosts with me today. We got Steven. Hello. And we have Brennan. Hi, how's everybody doing? So, Brennan... You are our guest host today, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you've been playing Horses Heresy since the second edition here, uh, coming over from 40k, right? Yes, that is definitely. I'm definitely an X40k player. Delightful. Always happy to hear it. Uh, tell us about your Iron Warriors. Like, what drew you in? What makes you love them? Tell us fun stuff. So I started playing. Uh, Iron Warriors back in I want to say 7th edition uh, 40k I really like their fluff I really like that they're just like these cold bitter guys that are really effective at doing what they do Um, they're specialists at uh, blowing stuff up well and just wrecking things and they are not you know they're not fanatics they're not. Um, they're not what a lot of the other legions are. They're not overly emotional. Um, they're just there to get the job done, and they are efficient and and work. Uh, and and contrasting some of the other chaos legions that are um, just a lot of. Um, you know, dumpster fire energy where they, you know, like world eaters that just run around in, in, in bands, you know, just, just, uh, burning down churches and stuff. And you're like, did that achieve our tactical objectives? No, but I like to see that bur- church burn down. The Iron Warriors contrast that. Um, and, uh, I like hazard stripes. I mean, you gotta like hazard stripes if you're gonna play the fourth. And, um, I enjoy dry brushing. So a lot of the, painting and hobbying techniques went really well along with um, the efficiency of the rules. I like sort of efficient streamlined rules and I think 2.0 does an amazing job of reflecting that. Um, Yeah, I could talk about this all day, but um, I'm very excited to be here. Big dumpster fire energy is... I like that. That sounds pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah, That's the best way to describe every legion but especially the traitor legions oh definitely just <laughs> all dumpsters are on fire but some dumpsters are more on fire than others yeah but if you push those dumpsters belligerently towards your objective you'll probably at least set them on fire yeah it's <laughs> great so we're going to be going through the iron warriors today and i've been a huge fan of them too since the first edition uh i actually pretty often use, uh, you know, just borrow, uh, lightly borrow, uh, some of the Domitar Ferrum for my Alpha Legion. Uh, Those are always one of my favorite things to use with rewards of treasury. But uh, to check these guys out, starting out in the Liber Hereticus uh, on page 174 here, 
Brennan, why don't you take us through what makes them special with Legionis Astartes and the Rack and Ruin rule? Yeah, so I really like this rule to begin with, and I really think it does a good job of just representing the fluff and just representing what you want to do as an Iron Warriors player. And so essentially, um, it's a pretty big chunk of text, so I'm not going to read you the whole text. But um, the the simplest thing, well, I guess it's not that big of a long text when I actually look at it. But uh, basically, if you make a shooting attack with a unit, uh, with a model, you make a shooting attack or a melee, um, you get plus one to the strength of that attack if it is a dreadnought, automaton, vehicle, or building unit type. So it is excellent at essentially giving strength to things that you may struggle to wound in the first place or to penetrate the armor of something like that has a higher armor. Um, It has a lot of really subtle effects, but it's so simplistic that it's amazing for beginner players like myself to use because basically you go... Am I trying to hurt a Dreadnought Automaton, a vehicle, or a building? Okay, just remember to give my weapon plus one strength. It's, it is it is arguably one of the most straightforward Legion traits across the board. It does seem to add a lot of utility, too. Uh, even just a plus one strength kind of opens up, um, makes some weapons kind of viable, like light anti-tank weapons now. Uh, just from that plus one, from like a nemesis bolters are now strength six, auto cannons are now strength eight. A uh, lot easier yeah. to I mean, crack you can stuff glance open. Down, you can glance down rhinos in the front armor with bolters at strength five. Oh yeah, that is entertaining as heck. Just dump a fury of the legion into some poor bastard rhino. Mm-hmm. Just blow the tracks off her. Shoot, <laughs> shoot through the vision slits. Beautiful. So I, I, I wrote down some ridiculous examples of this. If you'd like some, if I know there's some Absolutely. people in the audience that are like, "Why aren't they talking about numbers?" Like, I love numbers; they're my best friends. So here's some <laughs> numbers for you, right? <laughs> here's More some ridiculous, numbers. the better. So, so like a demolisher cannon, right? We're talking about strength twelve, right? That goes to strength thirteen, Whew. and then a die six means that your auto glancing AP fourteen. You're also, uh, with that particular weapon, you've got um, Ordnance, so you're rolling 2d6, and it's also uh, Sunder, it just, I mean, like it needs more rules. It's also Sunder, so it's rolling, re-rolling them if you want. So if you really, really have to auto-pin basically a, a, a Armor 14, you can use, do it with a Demolisher Cannon. This example is particularly ridiculous. So with a sniper rifle, you can pin a land raider. Beautiful. So so strength five goes to strength six, right? You add a d6 for the roll. If you get a six, you rend, which means you roll another d3. And congratulations, you can get up to the number 15 with that. Perfection. (laughs) So you can just, absolutely shoot through the vo- the vision slit just you know, a into the driver and into take driver. him out. Yep. Yeah. But I think the really cool examples are what Jason was mentioning, which is you can move a lot of stuff from wounding on a f- six to wounding on a five, which doesn't sound like much, but that's doubly efficient. Right? Yeah, so literally like double. Yeah. So if you were you know, if you've got a 
a strength six situation versus a strength eight. That's a big difference. You know, um, if you've got like, um, um, trying to think of another example, like, it's not exactly double, but you know, a situation where normally you'd be wounding, say, like a contemptor with um, a bayonet, right? Which was a situation we had the other game. Where mm-hmm. Normally, like, you would need a six to do that, I think, right? Four plus one is five versus seven. Right. Is, yeah. But, but the warlord trait, I mean, the legion trait is moving you to wounding on a five or, uh, five or six, which again, this makes a big difference. So yeah, I think you see a lot of this in the mid tiers with the sixes and the sevens, where you're just turning weapons that and and the fives that have like no business glancing rhinos to death, or <laughs> you know, uh, like oh, there's no way this guy's gonna hurt me. Oh, oh, the like I was playing a game where I was like, all right, I've got my predator cannon on my predator, right? It's strength nine now. Yeah, it's like a tiny last cannon that rends. Yeah, yeah. And my and last cannon like, become even my, bigger. Mm-hmm. My puma was like, "What?" And I was like, "Yep, it's strength nine. I'm sorry." Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's great. All right, and I, I mean, don't from think. The... Go ahead. I don't think we should overlook the most important part: is that it is hilarious to bayonet a dreadnought to death. <laughs> Speaking of, I mean, so I. Uh, I play Fury of the Ancients for my Iron Warriors, and almost everybody has heavy bolters. And uh, the heavy bolter is great against infantry, uh, but even once you bump it up to strength six, I played a lot. I played against a lot of armored units at Nova, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus seven dreadnoughts on this tank and heavy bolter it to death. And I did. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really does. It really does open up a lot of tactical situations. Um, the only situation you ever you're ever like sad face about is if you happen to face that um, all Terminator list, right? Uh-huh. Or, or all infantry list, where you're like, okay, well, my warlord trait. I mean, my legion trait. I keep saying warlord trait. Sorry, my legion trait does not apply here. Um, but it's really rare that someone doesn't have one of these things as often they're some of the best units in the game i mean contemptor yeah. dreadnoughts contemptors show up are in out almost there almost every list. list yeah exactly now, i will say Everybody likes a vehicle i will say on um, in that same vein um and i may end up being the the poo-pooer of this episode we'll find out um but i really actually prefer the iron warriors old legion trait to this one um, not that I don't like Rack and Ruin giving plus one strength, um, but as you said, it's very straightforward. Uh, it's very easy for new players to to wrap their heads around and make a use of pretty much with any unit. Um, my only problem with it, if you can even call it a problem, is that it really pushes Iron Warriors into a shooting gunline army. Um, and their old rule, their old version of Rack and Ruin, um, was that models with the Legion as a Stardays Iron Warrior do not suffer morale checks from shooting attacks and may re-roll failed pinning checks, which I loved. I, I saw somebody with a list that was just like f- four huge blocks of despoilers just walking up the table and not caring that you shot them until they could punch you in the face. Which was yeah, I, fun. I, I could speak to this. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I had a 
squad uh we we were doing we are doing a wonderful slow grow league in um richmond at battlegrounds and if you're in the area and you can join we'd love to have you it's a really great community um and i had a squad of assault marines that i had previously painted from 40k that i really like and um the utility of them is difficult. Uh, I think if you're coming into build, list building and you have one melee unit in an Iron Warriors list, I think you will often be discouraged because you're most likely one dedicated melee unit. You're going to be discouraged because you're going to run into the problem where, you know, when you assault, you're guaranteed to get an Overwatch on you mm -hmm. if you're the Charger. Um, you often will be out there in the middle of no land, man's land. Like you're, you're kind of putting yourself out if you're playing more of like a stand back and shoot army. If you mm -hmm. have one dedicated melee unit, so there, there is that issue. But I would say the counter to that, which I've kind of come to organically embrace over the course of playing them, is that. Um, Units that are not necessarily all melee but have some shooting that can still mix it up are still a lot of fun. And I would say the example that I'm currently using in the Slow, go, slow Grow League is I'm running two Contemptors with a Fist and a Gravis Melta. And that combination means that I can put them in the midfield. I can mix it up with pretty much anybody. And I've got a really amazing uh, gun that has a lot of utility at the mid-range. Um, and it's a contemptor, you know? It's got a lot of inbuilt natural things mm -hmm. that protect yeah, T7, it from getting wrecked. He, he's not going down easy. Yeah, and so I think if you, you approach it that way, I think it's a lot more fun. Um, because again, your melee weapons also benefit from this. So lots of chain swords with shred. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that difference in a in a pip on the dice from potentially wounding something from a six to a five. Well, you know, you throw shred on that, and all of a sudden, that really makes a big difference. And a lot of melee wound, lightning claws, um, chain swords, they have that potential there. But yeah, I mean, I think if you are going into list building and you're going to make an all melee list, um, you know, it's not going to be the strongest possible list. But again, I like Horse Heresy because most people, I think, are not going into this with the, with the mentality that they're Definitely. chasing and making the strongest list. Yeah. So, so I still think you should. I, I, I would hesitate people who are trying Iron Warriors to get into that rut where they go, well, this is a melee unit or it has a lot of melee in it. I guess I can't play it. Like I would say, put it on the tabletop, have a good time with it, you know, because you, especially that midfield, Iron Warriors really want some people in the midfield that can be scrappy. And so throwing some contemptors with a gun in the midfield, I've had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. And I think that's probably, um, that once we get to the Iron Warriors advanced reaction, um, I think it illustrates perfectly what you're saying, uh, but we'll we'll get to that in a bit. Well, perfect segue into the Iron Warriors advanced reaction. Bitter Hooray! fury. All right, Steve, you want to take us through uh, how awesome this is? Yeah. So, um, bitter fury. 
This advanced reaction may be made once per battle during the opposing player's shooting phase when any enemy unit declares a shooting attack targeting a friendly unit under the reactive player's control. Um, to make a lot of text short, it's very similar to return fire. Uh, but once the active player has resolved all to hit and to wound rolls and armor saves are made, but before any damage mitigation uh, rolls or casualties are moved, the reactive player makes a shooting attack targeting that unit. Um, they add one to the die of any rapid fire or actually any yeah any shooting attack that they're making. So um, like at 24 inches, instead of one bolter fire coming back, it's two bolter shots. The downside is that they do get hot on a one or a two. Um, any attack that makes a shooting attack as part of a bitter fury may not make any attacks indirectly without line of sight, including weapons with the barrage rule or other special rules that otherwise ignore line of sight, and vehicles may only fire defensive weapons. Um, template weapons use wall of death. So it's basically return fire on steroids. Um, I love this one. I used it a whole lot at Nova. Uh, and to say, to piggyback on what Brennan was saying, when you get up into the midfield with uh, shooting units that still have combat weapons, you know, they want to be on objectives or they want to be um, basically boxing in the enemy. So like uh, tacticals with chain swords, for instance, or veterans. Bitter Fury is fantastic. Uh, you know, you take the first round of shooting on whatever, and as soon as you're in range, you give it right back, but twice. And who cares if, if dudes die to get hot? Because they're going to die anyway. It is kind of nice because it takes like that extra step up from um, in like a tactical v tactical fight. Uh, it firing on one another. It's actually the one that like returns fire that got shot at first. That's kind of at a disadvantage because they don't um, or at an advantage because they don't count as moving for purposes of Fury of the Legion. Mm -hmm. so typically, same size tactical squads firing back and forth at each other. Uh, the I don't know, what would you call that? The initial aggressor in that situation is kind of at a disadvantage. Um, this, too, I've seen uh, really make people second and even third guess their target priority. Because, um, sure, like you want to knock out that heavy weapons squad, but uh, if they're just going to absolutely annihilate whatever shot at them with bitter fury before you take them out... Uh, you're going to have to really weigh that before you decide which unit you're going to try and sacrifice to do it. Mm -hmm. And it works great on uh, on units that are otherwise they want to be in melee, like Terminators, right? But they still have guns, they have combi bolters. Um, so if you're trying to, to weigh down Terminators under weight of fire and they bitter fury back, they're hitting you with, um, what is it, 10 combi bolters firing twice, re-rolling misses. Beautiful. Uh -huh. And then, you know, they still got two wounds. They still got their two up. What I really, really love Bitter Fire or Bitter Fury on is Dreadnoughts. Um, a Dreadnought with a dual Volkite Culverin that's normally, what, six shots with Deflagrate. Bitter Fury, that's 12 shots twin linked with Deflagrate. You're going to have a really bad time after that Dreadnought is done with you. Gross. So, what? So what I've enjoyed about it is when I first started playing, I was like, oh, last cannons, like heavy weapon squads, last cannons. No one would 
you know, where no one would deign to shoot at this glorious squad, you know, with its right, bitterness eat, returning yeah, fire. Eat all that lasers back. Yeah, but like as I went on, you know, I've gotten into this kind of progression where a lot of the bitty, bitter fury shots, you know, I'm using them more on weapons. And I, in the future, want to use them more on weapons that either have a special effect for rolling high or they, um, they're they just really, really high volume. Because mm-hmm. if you're doubling your shots, obviously, mathematically, you want your initial gun to shoot more. So, like, you know, a 20-man brick of dudes, of tactical squads if they're in rapid fire range and they normally shoot two because of that, now they're shooting four, right? It's just a huge uh, jump up. Or like auto cannons that shoot twice are now shooting four, or um, the heavy version of Volkite is now shooting, what, 10 shots um, mm-hmm. for, for a heavy support. 10 and the shots. Beauty thing, uh, the beauty thing about that um, is that you... Um, if you get hot, right, you're only taking the profile of the gun. You're not taking any of the special effects. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you get hot with a last cannon, you're dead. Like your model is, there's literally nothing it can do <laughs> unless it has an invulnerable save. And I don't think there's much rocking a last cannon and also rocking an invulnerable save. Um, so it's just dead. Whereas if you get hot with a bunch of Volkite, or a auto cannons, it's not as or a sniper rifle. It's not as big of a deal because you've still got your armor save. Um, and if you got an apothecary or something like that, it's almost impossible. Like I, sh- I got, I did bitter fury with a with like a block of like I think by that point in the game it had like 15 tacks in it. They were they were shooting twice, so I was rolling blocks of four shots for each of them. Um, and a bunch of them were get hots, but they were either making their armor save or making their apothecary save. Uh, so really, like, I didn't lose a single guy. So at first, I think there's that fear of the effects of Get Hot, but, you know, with a weapon that is not AP2 or AP3 or, God forbid, AP1, you're not um, you're not likely to lose a lot of your own people. So then, yeah, what, what was um, um, Jason was saying, it's really scary if you are targeting that unit knowing it's just going to drop a bucket of dice on you and at the end <laughs> when the dust clears it hasn't even lost a person to to its own um uh its own get hot rule yeah i mean and even if you do lose a tactical to get hot you know uh i'd pay 10 points to fire a bolter four times <laughs> Yeah, and the Iron Warriors are certainly going to pay that cost. Like, yeah, absolutely. 65% casualties and above. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One of my favorite passages from an uh, Iron Warriors book is it's in one of the 40K ones where, you know, the commander, essentially, this Iron Warrior commander orders these two last cannons, heavy weapon guys, to knock out a, like a wall. And he knocks out the wall, and, and the return fire from the defenders kills the two last cannon guys. And the captain doesn't even look at them, like doesn't even even blink an eye that he just lost two heavy weapon guys because they did the thing he needed them to do. And beyond yeah, that, the wall it, is broken. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't care about the casualties. Um, and so, yeah, I think if you're if you do that math, you know, that's part of it for you. You're like, yeah, I'm going to punish them so much for shooting at this unit. And a, a little fun fact about that as well is. Um, you know, normally template weapons are only D3 hits. Well, template weapons with Bitter Fury is 2D3, and that adds up. 
Well, speaking of stuff adding up, let me tell you guys about the Warlord traits, uh, because they're kind of entertaining. So, Iron Warrior's Warlord traits are a little bit... I don't know. They feel a little bit unique as compared to like coming off of the Emperor's Children. Uh, so none of them are locked Loyalist or Traitor, which is kind of nice. Uh, but starting off, we've got Tyrant of the Apolicron. Uh, Warlord with his trait gains Fearless, uh, but can't join any units that is not entirely composed of Iron Warriors. However, Warlord and models in the unit must adhere to the following restrictions during both the player's shooting and charge phase. The unit must attempt a shooting attack and or charge if there's an enemy unit within range, and must target the closest enemy unit possible that's within its line of sight and is a valid target for shooting attacks or charges. Uh, and of course, if two or more targets are equidistant, uh, you can choose. So in addition, uh, you also get a extra shooting phase uh, reaction, which not too shabby. Um, off the top, uh, this feels a little bit restrictive. Uh, it essentially gives them what, like programmed behavior from, you know, unchaperoned automata, uh, <laughs> which fearless is nice, but when you can just take a herald anyway, which are pretty, like, you wouldn't think fear one and fearless would be, you know, it's such a simple rule set, but along with that uh, legion banner that gives whatever unit they're with line, you know, that's pretty, uh, pretty solid. So, you know, trading, a... well, trading something like that for the downsides of having, you know, the bad part of program behavior, not quite as fun. I would, um, I would argue that Tyrant of the Apolicron is pretty good in small scale games or Zone Mortalis, where you have um, restricted force orgs. So, like, you take a t big twenty man block of tacticals, right, or a five man block of veterans, guys who can take power weapons, heavy weapons, and are relentless. You give them Tyrant of the Apolicron, bam, fearless. And because they can take such a wide variety of equipment, they're basically um, they're set to take on any target that uh, the Warlord trait forces them to. Secondarily, I would say that uh, Tyrant of the Apolicron on a Terminator Warlord is probably better than either Lasatra or Dodecathon, which we'll get into here. Um, because when you take Terminators, right, you're usually putting them in a tank. And if they're inside of a tank, then they don't have to worry about programmed behavior forcing them to engage targets other than who you want them to. Um, and then once they hop out and get into combat, you can throw them into combat with anybody, and they're fearless. It does make them very consistent and difficult to remove. I mean, anything natively fearless, like, of course, the downside to the Herald is, if the Herald dies, the unit's no longer lying. It's no mm -hmm. longer fearless. Yeah. Um, and and the Herald's are... relatively fragile yeah. compared to, like, a Praetor. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, two, uh, having a unit-wide fearless, they're not a whole lot of things that interact with it weird, but, um, like, uh, Brennan and I just had a game a couple of days ago um, or we had that discussion on Sonic Shriekers, uh, because Fearless is set up a little bit oddly as a rule. Uh, the model itself ignores fear 
and consequently anything that you know models that have fearless ignore fear effects ignore this rule uh, mm -hmm. for me sonic shriekers of course is first and foremost in my mind uh it when one model has fearless the unit uh ignores morale pinning passes those automatically but only the model itself ignores fear which is a little odd and it's kind of like a janky rules interaction hmm. but comparatively something like this where you know uh you know the warlord is like you said a lot more uh resilient than a two wound you know console is pretty handy yeah, so I um, I definitely agree, Jason. Definitely, that was one of those rules that, like, sometimes you really just have to see it in print. And even though I'd read the fearless rule, in my mind, I just summarized it. You know how you do that thing cognitively where you're just like, I'm just going to summarize this in my brain. And oh, yeah, so no worries. in my brain was, the unit's fearless. And so then when it was like, no, 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 these Sonish, he's the only one. I was like, wait a minute, my brain summary says that they're all fearless. And then we, I broke out the big book, and uh, I was like, oh, no, no, he's 100% right. So that was an interesting learn. Um, I personally, my main issue with this is I think, and maybe this is some of the, the fluff spilling over into the play, but I feel like if you play Iron Warriors, you know, you might have some OCD problems because they certainly do. <laughs> they do. And so, like, the idea of playing my army and having my Warlord's unit potentially be carted around the, the board by its nose, like, really bothers me. Like, it Definitely. really makes it not very interesting to me. But that being said, I think what Jesse said, which is if I was going to use this, I would try to make a close combat monster. I would put it in a squad of termies, and then I would just like throw it at everything. And yeah, if it's charging the closest unit, well, it's probably what I wanted to do anyways. Um, and uh, if it doesn't, if they're like lightning claws, terminators, I don't really care. They don't have any guns anyways, so they're just going Pac-Man style around the board trying to eat everything. <laughs> um, um, and so having it, uh, having a fearless block is good. I mean. Fearless isn't as good, in my opinion, on Terminators outside of combat because they because of their rules. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, Fearless is really really powerful. Like I definitely play Herald Centurions, one of my favorite model unit things in the game. And you know, when you put a block in a block of like twenty tacticals, is how I use it with an apothecary. That is a really obnoxious unit to get off the board. Um, they often last the whole game, and um, you know when you combine it with Bitter Fury and other reactions, they're really obnoxious uh, unit with the Herald. Now I have been in games where you know their head exploded like a melon from a sniper rifle on the first <laughs> turn, and I was like, "Well, that just happened," you know, and you just kind of laugh games at it happen. and you just move on. But yeah, I definitely feel like this is this one's a tough sell. I, I rate this pretty low as far as the Warlord. I would probably actually take a generic Warlord trait from the main book over this one. Right. Like, Bloody Handed is never not going to be useful. Bloody Handed or Stoic Defender. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Brennan, you normally use the next one, right? Tyrant of the Dodecathon? Absolutely. And besides sounding kind of like a Pokemon, like... Other than that, um, I think this one's kind of all positives. Why don't you tell us about it? 
Yeah, so Tyrant of Dodecathon is really a great one. I'll just read it really quickly. Basically, after everybody has deployed, but before Scout Moods and Infiltrators, the um, controlling player, the Warlord, uh, essentially nominates one area of terrain, building, or fortification on the battlefield. Uh, this item, uh, if it's an area of terrain, so like a piece of ruins, it no longer has a cover save. If it has a cover save, my apologies, it no longer has a cover save, and the area of terrain counts as both difficult terrain and dangerous terrain. If you choose a building or fortification, uh, then all rolls on the building and damage table made for the building or fortification gain the modifier plus one. In addition, and this is a big one from Iron Warriors, the Warlord who has this trait may make an additional reaction during the opposing shooting player's phase as long as the Warlord has not been removed as a casualty. So it gives you a shooting um, reaction, which in my opinion, and maybe this is because I'm an Irons Warrior player, is one of the strongest categories of reactions, um, mainly because of the how often you're shooting things and things are shooting at you. Even more than getting charged, um, it, it comes up. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a shooting really, game. Yeah. I really like this one across the board. I think it's great. I mean, honestly, I think you know you just can't really go wrong with it you might not be 100% optimized there might be another decision that ultimately you decide is a better for your particular playstyle or your army but i think especially for new players i strongly strongly recommend this it sounds like not much but i'll give you two quick examples that illustrate what i you know the power of this warlord trait the first example is you're playing an army that kind of maybe is a shooty army or has a significant squad that is hunkered down in a piece of ruin somewhere. Removing the cover save from that squad, and then also making it so that if that squad ever wants to come out of that building and say, hold a backfield objective, or is ever forced to run um, because the squad broke, the fact that it is now subtracting two from that movement, and also making some fun, difficult uh, dangerous, sorry, dangerous train check is 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 important. is a is a big one. Um, the other example is um, what I have done a lot is just pick a line blocking piece of terrain in the center of the board. So if there is um, a piece of terrain that I believe my opponent is going to try to move through and use as a um, cover, or it's literally just providing, say, like a tank hiding behind it. A cover save like I'm shooting through a window or something it's giving it a cover save removing that cover save and making this like awful piece of wrecked burning wreckage in the middle of the board for my opponent to go through um, is also really really um, game-changing I had a game at uh, um, call to arms in Williamsburg where I played a blood angel angel player and they had a lot of jump infantry they had a lot of small vehicles that wanted to find cover and just removing the center the giant centerpiece essentially making it useless for him um it changed the game it like completely flipped his ability to defend himself this is my favorite of the three warlord traits i think it is excellent it's a cool one and normally so coming from sixth edition uh chaos space marines i've always been kind of uh what's the word unimpressed with like abilities that modify terrain 
Because like the the old warsmith used to just be able to reduce the cover save of a piece of terrain by one. I'm like, eh, whatever. Um, so I was actually kind of down on Dodecathon uh, until I read the whole thing. And I was like, oh, wait a second, fortifications? This thing is amazing. I love it. Yeah, I mean, you can't complain about it. I mean, like Brennan said, essentially just wiping out that huge part of terrain that like otherwise would you know, give your opponent this huge resource for like, you know, skimming casualties off, you know, from cover saves. Uh, Oh, poor mortals. Yeah. Yep. They can't all be winners. Yeah. And I would say that one of the marks of how good a warlord trait is, is how useful it is if you were in a mirror match. Like if you're playing another Iron Warriors player mm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know, Iron Warriors player, they want to put their Havocs in buildings. They want to put their, uh, their long range tanks in, in a, in cover tyrant of the, De- tyrant of the Dodecathon. Just boop. Nope. Come out in the open. You're right, right. Here with me, buddy. Get out of that apartment block. Rinse. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I also think it's one of those things where the, 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 extra reaction in the shooting phase is almost worth it to me like it really really is like you you're gonna get shot at so much and so just getting an extra evade even if you can't return fire even if they're out of range whatever just getting an extra evade is huge for so many units getting a five up damage mitigation shrouded roll that's a big a big deal and so um whereas you know sometimes a lot of times in the movement you might go whole rounds where you can't do a movement reaction for example or Mm -hmm. a charge reaction no one's charging you for a round or two but every round i mean i'd be shocked if every round you didn't get shot like very rarely unless you're doing drop pot assault assault or something are you not going to take probably two shots and so getting two things to take shrouded if you do nothing else that is that's a very nice defensive bonus mm-hmm. oh yeah it's just like a third of your shooting casualties just bloop gone yeah and evade also gives you a, a movement doesn't it can't you um move up to your initiative or maybe you just kind of spread out maybe i'm thinking of a different rule that's a movement reaction yeah oh. evade is a oh. movement Oh, uh, so it is. So it is. As I call it, the ole. <laughs> yes, you, you, you wave your flag and scoot back <laughs> like a like a matador. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of taking all that shooting, uh, tyrant of the Lasatra, uh, warlord with his trait and every model with the infantry type that is joined with the Legionis Astartes Iron Warrior special rule, roll an additional dice when making a shooting attack with any rapid fire, assault, or heavy weapon that does not have blast or template. Uh, but these weapons gain the get hot special rule for that shooting attack. Uh, if the warlord in any unit under the effect of this trait makes bitter fury reaction, then a single additional die is added to the number of attacks made by each model after the effects of bitter fury have been applied. So I like that they just immediately like cut that uh, rules as intended v rules as written argument off at the knees. It's like, no, this is how math works. That's how it goes. Yeah, um, I appreciate it as a new player. Yeah. And uh, the downside, however, which, I mean, that sounds real good right off the bat. The downside, though, is uh, in addition, whenever a 
warlord with this trait and any unit is joined as the target of an enemy shooting attack, it must, underline, must make either the return fire or bitter fury reactions if possible. Uh, this reaction does not cost a point of the reactive player's reaction allotment, but does not allow that unit to make further reactions and doesn't allow bitter fury to be used more than once. Uh, however, a warlord with this trait in any unit that it is joined can make no other reaction in any phase, excepting only the interceptor advanced reaction. That's what kind of, you had me up until that very last sentence, which seems brutal. Yeah, Tyrant of the Lasatra, in my experience, is very, very niche. It seems one-dimensional. It is not great on um, on anything other than tacticals, really, just because you have so many of them and you want all that extra weight of fire. And um, like Brennan said earlier, if they get hot, you know, they've got a three-up and a, a five-up feel no pain to protect them. It seems like it might be okay on Terminators, but even G then it's like you don't really want your Terminators getting hot. Generally speaking, I I mean I would still rather take uh, a Polycron or Dodecathon if I'm if I'm putting my Warlord with Terminators, but all that being said, Tyrant of the Lasatra is a um, A plus Warlord trait in one very, very specific instance. Yeah. And that's Fury of the Legion. <laughs> or not Fury of the Legion, Fury of the Ancients. Uh. Um, in my Fury of the Ancients list, for instance, so like Tyrant of the Apolicron, not useful mm -hmm. um, to Dreadnoughts because they're already fearless in combat. Clearly. Tyrant of the Dodecathon is okay. It's not bad, um, but most of your Dreadnought weapons aren't punching through armor anyway if you're trying to like keep them relatively cheap. Um so the the lack of cover save or the difficult and dangerous terrain they don't really care about um it's okay for for a for a um, revered ancient and before i get into tyrant of the lasatra i will give this reminder um if you play fury of the ancients one of your contemptors becomes an hq he gets uh, a warlord trait he gets eternal warrior he gets uh, an iron halo so what i do is i take tyrant of the lasatra and uh, I give my Warlord a dual Volkite Culverin. So normally, strength 6, which, uh, if I have to fire at infantry, does the trick. If I have to fire at tanks or other dreadnoughts, gets bumped up to strength 7. So we're in a nice, high-strength weapon. It already has high volume of fire. It's heavy 6, which Tyrant of the Lasatra bumps up to heavy 7. Uh, with gets hot, but it's twin-linked, and my dreadnought is ballistic skill 5. So right there, the downside is kind of mitigated. I'm only missing on a one, which I can reroll anyway. Uh, and then it gets to Bitter Fury and Return Fire. Dreadnoughts are already fairly difficult to wound. Um, if you're throwing bolters at it, then you're hoping it's just like buckets and buckets and buckets of bolters, right? And um, as the Iron Warriors player, you're, you're not worried. You're going to bounce it off that two-up save. But then you are required to return fire with a heavy 7 deflagrate gun. Or, if it's really a pain in the ass, heavy 14 deflagrate. Can't complain. It's beautiful and I love it. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I have wiped an entire tactical squad just off the board uh, with, bitter, with bitter fury from Tyrant of the Lasatra once. It was amazing. Alright. Yeah, I, I think I think it you know, for me, this is like a kind of like a, 
I'm like a, a low. This is like out of a scale of ten. I'd I'd rate this like a four or maybe a five. I mean, I think I think the problem for me as a player is the lack of a built-in second reaction. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the you get a free reaction for that guy or for that model, right, or unit. So so you can still make it powerful if it is something like um, like Jesse's saying, where it's his warlord. It's a it's a it's a character dreadnought, effectively. I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, so you're going to use that a lot. That's going to be a scary unit that people are going to not want to shoot at, which is great, which is what you want, you know, for your warlord to to be a thing that people don't want to shoot at, especially if it's a double mm-hmm. gun. Uh, dreadnought um but the lack of a second reaction um the fact that you can't evade uh so you have to either return fire or bitter fury that you don't have the option of evade because there's just situations where you're like no i don't want to shoot i want the chance to potentially like we were the game that me and jason were playing recently he had snipers that are out of range of my last cannon squad so my last cannon squad couldn't actually return fire but it could evade uh so so having the option of evade was definitely keeping people alive but in this squad they would have just been shot with impunity um so I don't know. It's a tough one for me. I think again. I think, like Jesse said, it's niche. If you can find a situation it works in well, then you know by all means. But I think for at least for new players, I would caution against it because it may be more frustrating than it is, and because essentially it's taking something you already do right. You already have bitter fury. If you want to shoot out a bunch of nasty return shots, you got that in your legion reaction it takes something you already do does and makes it better not incredibly better but better um and so sometimes i think that's not as fun like maximizing something even more to a diminishing return is not necessarily as fun as being like oh i can do this other thing cool i'll do i have this other option so i would just consider as a new player um playing it if you have a plan um but maybe pick Picking a different warlord trait if you're, um, you know, just putting models on the board and trying to have a good time. Yeah, it's definitely pre- it's definitely a niche one. Um, otherwise, I would I would agree with you and rate it pretty low because I think the only character that would like specifically find a use for it would be an Armistos. Um, but the weapon that you would probably want him to be double tapping is a blast weapon, a plasma cannon, which it doesn't apply to. So. Sad, sad times for the Lysatra men, but good times if they're a dreadnought. Yeah. So, um, abundant overabundance of fire, some might say, I think plays pretty well uh, as we head into rights of war here. So we've got the Hammer of Olympia, first and foremost. Now, this is the one, if I ever played Iron Warriors, I know it's kind of cliche, but I love so much the idea of just huge, chunky bricks of like tactical squads uh, advancing inexorably, you know, kind of competing with the Death Guard for that uh, for that niche there. But uh, I think Iron Warriors do it really well. Uh, this is kind of what I would want to build towards having bare minimum of a thousand points out of a 2500 point army just huge chunky tactical bricks making the most of hammer of olympia so we've got uh 
for the effects, all Legion tactical squads composed entirely of models with Iron Warrior special rule uh, must replace Fury of the Legion with Fury of Olympia. Because that's the one downside, well, two, I guess, because uh, on uh, those super cool shrapnel bolters, you've got an 18-inch range, and you cannot Fury of the Legion with them because they are not bolt guns. But Fury of Olympia is a model with this special rule may add one to the number of shots fired whenever making a shooting attack with a shrapnel bolter or shrapnel pistol, however not with a shrapnel cannon or grabs a shrapnel cannon or any other bolt weapons. So, uh, kind of builds do, back. Jason, do we want to pause and just talk about, because we haven't actually explained what a shrapnel bolter does do we want to pause and and go over that war gear or yeah. do we want to come back to that later ah, now's the uh, perfect time uh to explain uh what the iron warriors are working with with those shrapnel weapons uh, so why you might ask is this important uh olympian shrapnel weapons are great uh for the iron warriors any model with the Iron Warriors and independent character special rules can exchange a bolt pistol for a shrapnel pistol or a bolter for shrapnel bolter for no points. Uh, any unit composed entirely of models with Iron Warriors can upgrade all bolt pistols and bolters for their shrapnel variant or all heavy bolters for shrapnel cannons at a cost of two points per weapon. Um, any unit composed of models with a vehicle type uh, can exchange all heavy bolters in the unit for shrapnel cannons for two points per weapon. And any unit composed entirely of models with the dreadnought type uh, can exchange all gravis bolt cannons for gravis shrapnel cannons for five points. So compared to your normal Strength 4 AP5 12-inch range pistol uh, for the bolt pistol, your shrapnel pistol is 10-inch range Strength 4 AP-1, pistol 1, but pinning. Um, that's great. Shrapnel bolters, comparatively, 18-inch range, strength 4, AP dash, rapid fire, pinning. Again, zero complaints. Uh, the shrapnel cannon, you've got the same heavy 4 as the heavy bolter, same strength 5, AP 6, but, I mean, is there much of a difference unless you're playing mortals? Uh, same deal, though, pinning. And then you've got the Gravis Shrapnel Cannon uh, with 36-inch range, Strength 5, AP6, Heavy 5, Twin-Linked, and Pinning. I mean, Pinning is terrific in this edition. Uh, it's so much worthwhile compared to last edition when everything had Leadership 9 and could re-roll from the Vexilla. Um the pinning's your friend. Like, when something's pinned, it's more or less useless for a turn. Uh, only snapshots for, you know, shooting-based squads. Can't charge, can't react. Um, it's pretty great. Yeah, I love pinning. Yeah. Uh, um, I sorry, put, it in, go ahead, put it on every weapon, every unit that I can find it. Just, boop, pinning. Pinning for everybody. And I don't think they lose a whole lot on the shrapnel cannon or the gravis shrapnel cannon so far as the reduced range. I'm still going back and forth on whether losing that uh, six inches with the shrapnel bolter is worthwhile. It's it's certainly rough if you are, um, like, like you said, tactical to tactical, right? Mm -hmm. You're probably going to take a round of shooting that you can't fire back from mm -hmm. uh, before you get into 
into um, shrapneling range, and it's even worse if you're against Alpha Legion. It's a tiny bit of an issue, too, when it comes to things like Overwatch, because with a bolter, if you are being charged, you are within rapid-fire range, but there's a Mm -hmm. 3-inch gap there for the shrapnel bolters, or asphyx bolters for the Thousand Suns, now that I think about it. Um, But that's one of the things that Hammer of Olympia uh, kind of helps bridge the gap, because you'll notice with Fury of Olympia, it's not uh, the same as Fury of the Legion. It's You don't have to be stationary to use it. It's just a flat plus one to the number of shots fired when making shooting attacks with shrapnel bolters and pistols. So you're basically always using it. Yeah, and that's great when it allows you to, you know advance and still use it like we were talking about earlier on uh, like-sized tactical squads shooting back and forth you kind of help bridge that gap between another tactical unit that can fury of the legion back at you Um, shooting them getting just as many if well it's probably going to be let's see if you're at nine inches to rapid fire they're going to be able to rapid fire back with fury but this helps bridge that gap to bring you to three shots as well. So I do think it does a lot to kind of boost the math more in your favor. Yeah, I think one I'll, fun thing I'll, about sorry. it too is um, is that Hammer of Olympia at first glance should be tacticals, right? Like big blocks of tacticals. Right. Um, but whereas Fury of the Legion is specifically only bolters, mm-hmm. uh, Fury of Olympia is also shrapnel pistols. So <laughs> you could, in theory, go big assault squads, right? Jump pack over and uh, kind of mitigate the fact that you've only got a 10-inch range, double tap all those shrapnel pistols, oh, pin wait, your opponent, Hang charge on. in. It's tactical squads. Oh, damn it. Boo. You got me all excited. I was thinking well, about, like, wait, all shrapnel pistols? Could you do it with Destroyer? But sadly, it is just tactical squads. Womp, womp. Well, I'm... so much for Chainsaw Hammer of Olympia. <laughs> Jason, we can get a marker out and we can just change the book. And if you just show enough people, maybe the rules will change. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you never dissemin- know. Dissemination of false information eventually makes it the most common belief. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but before we forget, uh, let's not forget the rest of the Hammer of Olympia Rite of War. It's not just Fury of Olympia. We got two more bullet points. Mm-hmm. Uh, all Legion Predator squads, Vindicator squads, Land Raider Proteuses, and Land Raider Spartan models uh, ignore the effects of Crew Shaken and Crew Stunned. Uh, that kind of flies under the radar to Fury of Olympia, but it's terrific. Uh, you basically just ignore the negative effects of half of the vehicle damage table. Mm-hmm. You're not snap shooting. You're not stunned in place. It's like free extra armor and uh, what is it? Auxiliary drive traction control. Yep. F- free free rules from the government. Yeah. Cannot complain about that government cheese rule. Yep. And I, it says like vindicators, um, Proteus carriers, predators, all that. But I really think the the winner here is the Spartan. Mm-hmm. Um, with Hammer of Olympia, you can make a incredibly simple list like you could buy two boxes of age of darkness and be set right you take at least three because that's how many heavy support squad uh, slots you have fill it with spartans fill those spartans <laughs> with shrapnel bolter toting 
tacticals and just roll up, unload at 18 inches, go. Ruin everyone's day. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I... And speaking of, last bullet point there, um, a unit composed entirely of models with the Iron Warriors rule that's part of a detachment with this right of war can reroll all fail-to-hit rolls of one for shrapnel pistols, bolters, cannons, and uh, gravis cannons. So, you will give a pretty big boost to those Fury of Olympia dudes, yet again, uh, nudging that math better in your favor. However, that does include shrapnel cannons and gravis shrapnel cannons where Fury of Olympia does not. Delicious. I think there's a lot of good stuff there. I mean, I mean, I think that like the biggest issue for me with like, for instance, um, trap metal, like I do believe that outside of this right of war losing that range like having a right. bolter become a shrap metal cannon means you're losing 12 inches of range which is big i mm-hmm. mean losing 12 inches on a heavy bolter is a big amount of range um but in the in this right of war you're re-rolling ones on your on your shots right if you're a tactical, if you're just a normal guy with a bolter, you're moving and shooting twice around, right? I feel like that's one of the things that gets lost a lot is that, you know, Fury, the the, the Legion is great, but every time you're moving, you have lost that offensive ability to to, to shoot that extra time. Right. Um, so when you're combining the extra shot and hopefully a nine-inch shot – you know a, a nine inch rapid fire shot th- that is that is a lot a lot of shots now the one thing we didn't mention which is if you do take a shrap metal bolter you cannot put a, a bayonet or um that a is a good point bayonet on the bolter that that was a big debate in the early editions so i think the fax has cleaned that up yeah because they up pretty quickly. are not bolters can't right. sound like, sounds like can't a perfect do a reason to buy a chain sword Right, right. So I think, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, you weigh that. But I think in this right of war where you can really have a a very thematic list of iron warriors charging across the field, firing their, you know, their shrapnel fletch shots all over the place, uh, you know, tearing stuff up, capturing objectives, being very rapid and mobile, that's probably a nice change if you're trying to play more of like a gunline army in the iron Warriors. So playing a bunch of tacticals that moves forward, uh, and shoots a whole bunch of shots. That sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm looking, really looking forward to getting my, um, my warsmith ready so I can, um, roll that kind of list. Yeah. I love tacticals. They're just, they're so, they're so fun now. A good point too, is, uh, with that rerolling ones, uh, like Fury, it's not just for tacticals, it's across your army. So anything, um, vehicles, dreadnoughts, jet bikes, land speeders, if it has a shrapnel cannon or grab a shrapnel cannon, you also reroll those ones, which anything you can do to nudge that math in your favor. Mm-hmm. Oh, now, uh, very slim limitations on this. It's not that big of a deal. Um, you can't use deep strike assault, subterranean, or flanking. Makes sense. That's not really the Iron Warriors thing. And you must include a model with the Warsmith upgrade, or it must include Perturabo. So 
I mean, you're oh, probably no. right. It's Fair like Robo or a Warsmith. That's you know not. That's not going to go wrong. Like, yeah. But uh, next page over, Steve. Do you want to tell us about some Iron Fire, the other right of war? Yes. Um, although before I explain that, I would like to touch one more time on just how versatile tacticals are in this. Remember um, that even though you do have a shorter range because of all those shrapnel bolters, tacticals still have Heart of the Legion. So within six inches of objectives, you have a Fiono Pain, um, which does stack. So if you have an Apothecary with your tacticals, you know, at six inches to an objective, uh, just hosing down the enemy with hot metal and bouncing everything else off of a four-up Fiono Pain. Right, and also if you're rerolling ones and you bitter fury that giant hammer of Olympia tactical squad, that is going to be a rude awakening for the person who gets that bitter fury reaction. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, but yes, Iron Fire. Uh, this is the originally appeared in book six. It was the second uh, ride of war given over to the Iron Warriors. This is the artillery one. So if Hammer of Olympia is get up in your face and shoot you with a bunch of bullets uh, iron fire is get up in your face and then shoot you with artillery uh, so here we go the effects legion arquiter squadrons may be selected as non-compulsory troops in a detachment using this right any weapon with the barrage special rule fired by a model selected as part of this detachment using the right of war and targeting any point within 12 inches of a friendly unit composed entirely of legionas astardes iron warriors scatters d6 instead of 2d6 including when firing using the barrage special rule um so whenever you're danger closing you're way more accurate way less likely to scatter off into wherever or worst case scenario into yourself uh any unit with the infantry type selected as part of attachment using this right that is within 12 inches of the final target point as a weapon fired using the barrage special rule by a friendly model gains stubborn uh, which is pretty great. Yeah, no complaints any there. Any unit using the infantry unit type selected as part of a detachment using this right may reroll any failed armor saves taken against wounds inflicted by an attack made by a weapon with any variant of blast. Armor saves, not invulnerable saves. Sorry, Terminators. What is the cat mad about? You know what? I don't care. I mean, it's could be anything at this point. I, he's there's probably he's probably mad that the porch invader is back. There's another cat that comes by, and I think he just wants to be Sterling's friend, and Sterling wants to kill him. Yeah, unacceptable. We have one uh-huh. here, uh, sweetest cat in the world, uh, owned by our neighbors named Mango. Uh, she's an absolute sweetie. Uh, my cat, Cadley Portman, uh, absolutely wants to destroy her. <laughs> like she fluffs up to like twice the size. And just like definitely wants to throw them little bladed hands, you know? Yep. Um, so, limitations of iron fire uh, nobody can deep strike, subterranean assault, or flank. Again, not that big of a deal. It's probably not your style anyway. Um, a detachment using this right must include more squadrons of Arquiter, Basilisks, or Medusas than it does uh, units that include any model with the cavalry unit type. This is barely a limitation because you're probably not doing a lot of bikes and speeders um and any detachment in this right of war must include a model with a uh, siege breaker must be a, a siege breaker console 
Again, not that big of a deal. Siege breakers are really good. They are pretty handy. I mean, what heavy weapon squad wouldn't want a siege breaker hanging out with them? Mm -hmm. Now, what I like the most about Iron Fire is that you can still basically play Hammer of Olympia with a different right. Like if you were to um, if you were to build the exact same army, for the most part, you could run Iron Fire using all the same models from Hammer of Olympia just adding in some artillery. Um, you lose out on Fury of Olympia, but what you lose in like offensive output, and this can just be considered a basic comparison as well, uh, you gain in stubborn and way more long-range firepower. Yeah, com- I mean, with the Legionis Astartes, like, ballistic skill of four across the board, you're scattering two inches tops. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, say, if you took the same list, right, Hammer of Olympia, and you bought three Spartans or... Um, <laughs> rhinos or what what have you right and you're just rushing up a wall of shrapnel toting iron warriors um instead of pinning everybody you just shell them into oblivion into their component atoms yeah i mean same basic effect yeah and a pinned enemy or a dead enemy is only slightly better than a pinned enemy right it's not that uh big of a jump nope also, just re-rolling the blast on infantry, I think, is can be overlooked also, too. Just oh, that yeah. defensive, because, you know, it's written in a way where you just sort of automatically go, right, 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 so I'm protecting them against my blast scattering into my dudes. But mm-hmm. really, it's just your whole army all the time. Like, even if you have, like, one, you know, you have one artillery piece, you're still getting that re-roll. And so much of artillery in this edition is ap4 or above so you're rolling your armor save you're not going to invul so so you're rolling your armor save and you know what's killing your normal power armored space marines is rolling a one or a two so getting to re-roll that one or a two ups the chances of your survival just so much more uh so i think that alone is a really powerful one where you know honestly like you know if you are running a master of a legion level unit uh you are you want to run the siege breaker you know this is an option you can throw on and just try it out and you don't have to bring an entirely new list of models like like um jesse was saying where like you don't have to buy a bunch of forge world bikes like you're running a white scars list or something you know you can you can literally just lay this template on and play with it and see the effects of it which is a lot of fun i'm looking forward to doing this one yeah um i like it it's it's not as i think they used to have fearless when within a certain distance of blast markers but um stubborn's just as good well yeah um not complaining yeah it's it's cool it's cool it's not super fancy but it is cool. Um, you're basically getting heavy without paying for any of the downsides of heavy. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you don't lose the movement, you can still run. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of good stuff, how about we talk about the Warsmiths? Uh, these, now, the Iron Warriors do not get a unique console, like, say, the Emperor's Children or the Sons of Horus. Uh, what they do get is the Warsmith, 
which pretty great um, across the board. Sort of similar for how the uh, Thousand Suns can buy a Psyker uh, up, um, pick one of the you know schools of psychonometry for their praetors. Uh, any single Legion praetor, Cataphracti praetor, or Tartarus praetor, the Iron Warriors can be upgraded to a Warsmith for 20 points. They gain a Cortex Controller, Servo Arm, as well as Master of the Automata and Battlesmith 3+. Uh, small downside, you can't upgrade a Warsmith uh, to a model with a Combat Bike, Jet Bike, or Warhawk Jump Pack. Um, I mean, we all know why you're making him a Warsmith, right? Yeah, because you want to probably stick him in a unit of Domitar Ferrum and have a huge beat stick that isn't 450 points worth of Perturabo. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's also great if you're, if you're running Brethren of Iron, you can take some non-compulsory Castellax, you can take some non-compulsory Vorax, stuff oh, yeah. like that. Good point. Um, and stick him in there. I don't know why you'd want to run him with Vorax, because they're kind of fast and he's kind of slow. But in small point games, if you don't want to necessarily shell out for the Iron Circle... Um, he can hang out with two Castellacs and just have a grand old time. I mean, why would you not want to shell out for the Iron Circle? They're pretty amazing, and we'll get to them in just a few. I was going to say the other thing, too, about the Warsmith is, you know, a 3-up Battlesmith, like, being able to repair something on a 3-up is not bad. You know, there are definitely, like, Centurions and Legion things that don't necessarily you know, actively do anything in certain units mm -hmm. and in certain phases. So having a vehicle potentially that can scoot up and get a repair or having a, um, a Terminator that you can potentially, or not a Terminator, a Dreadnought that you can potentially put a wound back on, I, you know, th that's something. That's something nice in, a, in an addition where hull points um, are hard to come by. Uh, this is, you know, compared to other things like 40k where you're used to having like, wait a minute, I don't have 12 wounds, you know. Um, I think that this is a nice little thing that you can do with this model. But I will be honest, I have often, when I'm looking at like trying to build a list, I've often said I'd rather just have another Centurion. There's like so many Centurions, they do so many neat things, <laughs> and for the points, I've just, if I'm not running a right not having a master um, of the Legion sort of uh, ability, I've often gone on the side of saying, like, yeah, I'd like a master of signals or I'd like a herald instead. Um, but, I, yeah, that Battlesmith 3 up, I think, is, is an important piece of this. Yeah, they are very flexible. Well, plus, you know, if nothing else, you look at it as you're buying a 20-point power fist and getting everything else for free. Kinda, yeah. And they did clarify in the FAQ, this feels a little weird, but if you have a servo arm or a machinator array, you can choose to use all of your attacks with that weapon. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of weird for me, because I'm used to the first edition, where it was, even in here in the war gear, it says you have one additional attack uh, with a servo arm that's, what, strength 8 AP2? So power fist. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to do here a little bit is uh, Iron Warriors get compared to Imperial Fists a lot. And that's boring. So I wanted to compare uh, to the Iron Hands, who have a sort of similar upgrade in the Iron Father. 
And um, so their deal is the exact same thing. Any Praetor, Cataphracti Praetor, Tartarus Praetor with Iron Hands can be upgraded to an Iron Father. The difference is, uh, let's see, the Warsmith is what, 20 points. The Iron mm-hmm. Father upgrade is 65. Whew. Right? Um, so you get Battlesmith 3 plus and Feel No Pain fly f- 5 plus. Uh, a Machinator Array, and a Cyber Familiar. So that is, let's see, 25 and 15 is 40. Uh, 40 points just in war gear. So you're essentially getting Battlesmith and Feel No Pain for 25 points. Um, now, I will say it's a little bit of a misnomer uh, because a Machinator Array gives you a plus two bonus to any Battlesmith you have. I'm a little disappointed that the servo arm in second edition no longer gives you a plus one to Battlesmith. Uh, just the Machinator array now. Along with that Cyber Familiar that bumps your invulnerable save up. Um, you get a lot more stuff, but it's more than three times as expensive. Well, the mm-hmm. other thing, too, is the array, I believe, has like a Flamer and a Melta built in, it too. It does. Which is pretty nasty. It has a Flamer and a uh, Inferno Pistol, yeah. So from I mean, I don't... a hobbying, oh sorry, I was just gonna say from a hobbying standpoint, a lot, and you see this a lot online. A lot of people, because um, you know, where the Iron Warriors, the Bitter Boys, mm-hmm. GW hasn't given them their Praetor yet, hasn't given <laughs> them a lot of their their models. Don't have any like what's that word models they don't have any (laughs) actual uh (laughs) actual things to paint so we do a lot of you do a lot of um you do a lot of kit bashing which i actually enjoy which is one of the reasons i chose the lesion but an iron uh father's miniature the physical miniature is an excellent excellent kit bash for a warsmith um you know just changing the symbol maybe changing a weapon or changing a pose but that's a really really good model to use so if you're a new player and you're like where is the warsmith mod like where's the miniature i can't find it well there isn't one there's an old 40k one that i would not pick up Oof. Man. And I would, yeah, exactly. Oof, that old oof. Metal Warsmith. Woof, woof, right. Um, I would instead go with I would instead go with the Iron Father and modify it. I think it's the simplest, straightforward. It looks it looks badass. Um, yeah, I would go with that. Well, so I mean, they do have a good one. It's just over in the Iron Hands listing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I'll take more. That, yeah, yeah, that's a way typo. of thinking about it's it. It's a typo. That's a, that's right? a typo. philosophical it's way to look at it. It's an oversight. Yeah, obviously a typo. Uh, <laughs> um, I would still argue that even though the Iron Father comes with a tr- triple the price of a Warsmith, um, he's still the cheaper option compared to the two. Uh, because if you're buying a Warsmith, there's really only one reason for it, and that's you're putting him with robots. But robots are terrific, and I can't yes. put a price on that. You can't. I mean, it's 150 points. <laughs> I don't, it's literally right there. It's the the price. price is literally there. <laughs> I don't know. I think the fury. I think that the the fury of Olympia right is a really good justification of a warsmith. I mean, like, I think the robots are really awesome and really fun. And I think that you know, if you build your army that way, great. But I think for for a lot of players, the warsmith is just a very iconic unit. Definitely. A lot of lore behind Definitely. It, so you want to see mm-hmm. it on the tabletop, and um, you know, and the and the Fury Olympia is an is a really interesting right. So I don't I don't think people should feel pressured to go 
um, get some giant robots with 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 floppy resin hammers to go at the uh, <laughs> to go against their opponent. Well, you know, at the at the end of the day, like I said, if if nothing else, you now bought a power fist for twenty points. Yeah. No worries yeah, I there. I never thought about that. That is a really that is a really good way to think about it. That you're just you're getting you're getting Battlesmith. You're getting essentially a power fist that I didn't know. I thought like like you were talking, Jason. You could literally only use it once in the combat. So the fact that you can be just like, nope this this robot arm is going to keep poking you in the eye. That yeah, is like that a, is amazing. It's like a um, like a scorpion tail on your on your Praetor. Yes. A strength eight AP two scorpion tail. So, talking about Iron Warriors weapons, uh, how about we talk about all those cool gravitons uh, right underneath the Warsmith entry? Yeah, um, graviton crushers are a series of war gear that you can buy for characters. Um, if he's got a power weapon. Uh, you can replace for Graviton Mace, which is basically uh, Strength User, AP3, Melee, Haywire. Not bad. Um, if they have a Thunder Hammer, they can go up to the Crusher, uh, which is Strength Plus 2, AP2, Melee, Unwieldy, Two-Handed, Haywire. And a Dreadnought can exchange its Gravis Power Fist for a Graviton Maul for 15 points. Um, and it still has inbuilt inbuilt weapons but that's strength plus two ap2 melee brutal two haywire so Uh, i don't i'm not gonna lie i don't put a whole lot of stock in the mace or the crusher me neither trading a thunder hammer for if it was trading a power weapon for it then yes i could see it but thunder hammers are pretty dope now Um, yeah i don't i also don't put a lot of stock in the maul like the dreadnought fist um, and the main reason for that is that the Iron Warriors Legion trait kind of overshadows both the Crusher and the Maul. Um, so I can make a def- I'll make a defense for the Mace, which is the smallest weapon. Uh-huh. So here's my defense because I pretty much agree with everything everybody's saying. Absolutely, you're, you're better off using a, a, a just a fist on the Dreadnought than using the Maul. Um, I think the the one argument I will make for a mace, right, is so if you've got like a sergeant, right, an attack squad, it's probably going to get mulched by most things that are not something that mirrors them, like another attack and another another sergeant and another tackle squad. I know that when I play, that typically when my attacks are in close combat, it's because there's some dedicated melee unit that's trying to eat them. Um, and so often my sergeant just gets fed to whoever is issuing the challenge. But what I will say is the exception to that is when it's like, say, trying to knock out a vehicle or trying to knock out um, a dreadnought. Um, and so For sure, I dreadnoughts. Think, I, I think the mace gives you the ability to, like, because a dreadnought can rarely challenge, there's a few exceptions, but most of the time a dreadnought is just stompy stomping through your unit. Mm-hmm. And so having the sergeant regularly giving it if it hits it's got a hit but if it can hit getting that wound on a two plus is really really strong you know add initiative 
you know, you're not hitting unwieldy to wound on a to wound a dreadnought on a two up. I think there's something to be said there. Um, but yeah, it's not a strong argument. I, I think it's fun. I think it's fun to to model them with hammers. It stands out a little bit on the tabletop um, ha- with a mace. I mean, to model them with a mace, um, it stands out a little bit modeling wise. It's a little different um, than say like a sword. Um, but yeah, it's not a strong argument. The other two, I, I yeah, I just don't know why you would choose them. Okay, if I could defend the graviton mall. Uh-huh. So, uh, for a dreadnought, I think at first, compared to the power fist, it might not seem like the way to go. However, um, the downside is it is only brutal two instead of brutal three. Um, it is not uh, locked to strength nine. Uh, it's user plus two, which still puts you at nine AP two. Uh, Haywire is pretty brutal against other dreadnoughts and automata because it's like um, it's like fleshbane for automata and dreadnoughts, but mm-hmm. with the added bonus of if you roll a six to wound, then it it's an automatic wound that ignores armor and invulnerable saves. Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, it's like invulnerable rending almost against. It's pretty great, and while it is just brutal too, you're still doing the same. You know, wounding on a two up against a dreadnought that you right. would if you were another dreadnought. Um, you just x the invulnerables completely on a six two. Yeah. It's um, a Gravis Power Fist is not a specialist weapon. Neither is this. So you can upgrade it on a Dreadnought with two punchy hands and pick one or the other. I like two close combat weapon Dreadnoughts. I know I'm a little bit of a niche there. But still, I'm trying to make a small argument for it. Yeah, yeah. I think if I'm hearing your argument right, you're basically saying in this case, when a dreadnought is uh, uh, Mike Tysoning another dreadnought, right? They, they they're trading a brutal for a six up. You just got to take the wound. You don't get a chance to save it. And so, oh, hey. um, and, and and yeah, I think that could you could make especially in volume if you have two melee weapons, you're attacking four times, right? They're base three, I believe. You're attacking yes. four time, and then you go to five if you're charging. You got a good opportunity to get a six or two on that ro- roll if you're rolling, you know, two, you're rolling like ten dice if you're hitting with everything, which which you have a fair chance, right? You're rolling a four to 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 hit a lot of things, hit a majority. Right. So yeah, I can kind of see that. I'm um, yeah, I'm not sold. But I'm so, at least hanging out at your your shop where you're where you're trying well, to sell me the graviton thing, my, though, I just, my <laughs> problem with the mall, at least, I mean, Jason makes good points in that it has a little bit more offensive output than just a straight up gravis power fist. Um, but my problem with it is that for one, you got to pay 15 points for it, and I don't yeah. want to have to spend more points on my dreadnought. Um, but yeah, secondly, point. it doesn't it doesn't keep the other dreadnought from killing you just as easily. True. However, Which is, tends to be the problem when Dreadnoughts meet is if they don't, if it's not mutually assured destruction, whatever Dreadnought is left standing has like one wound left. 
Except in the case of like Emperor's Children Dreadnoughts, which gets uh-huh. that. So the, I the did, Emperor's Children Dreadnought, the Maragall, stuff like that. I did just think of something though that's again super niche, but it makes a contemptor uh, much more likely to be able to kill a Leviathan uh, because the Leviathan wounds the contemptor's toughness seven on twos, where the contemptor strength nine against the Leviathan's toughness eight wounds on threes. With the Gravis Power Fist, uh, well, it's act- well, it's still strength ten because you're still Iron Warriors. Oh shoot, you're right. Mm-hmm. Well, that that was my last deal. <laughs> Get out of my <laughs> house, Graviton Mall. I don't want you. <laughs> All right, and in the same direction, uh, Graviton Malls look super cool on the Iron Circle, and it's kind of neat that you have the option to put them on a Dreadnought. I just yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, that. if Graviton Mall show up on a unit, I'm not going to kick the Graviton Mall out of bed for eating crackers, right? Right. But I'm not going to switch out <laughs> my Gravis Power Fist or my Gravis Chain Fist for my fancy electromagnetic uh, mallet. It's really cool, though, Steve. But <laughs> fists have fingers which can hold dead stuff. Yeah, little hands, little grabby uh-huh. hands. Yeah, I can't. Well, I can't model a dreadnought ripping a space marine in two. If it has hammers for hands. I mean, you could do that, it like smooshing him like a beer can. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that sounds like a challenge. That sounds like an art challenge we should <laughs> right. post and see how many people are like, show their amazing ability to do horrific things with giant hammers. Yeah, Absolutely. I want to see, see the John Henry of Dreadnoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Delightful. Double, double, double hammering it away. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. Uh, since we're talking about Graviton Malls, uh, this feels like a good time to get over into that other proponent of Graviton Malls, the Iron Circle. Wee! Uh, so, Iron Warriors, like, I love their whole vibe, but the Iron Circle is really what keeps me, like, coming back and trying to figure out, like, okay, how could I work a fourth trader army into my rotation here? <laughs> so, uh, these guys are the exact same Domitar from the Mechanicum list that you know and love, but re-equipped after, uh, you know, Perturabo had a little bit of a rough run in at fall. Um, So across the board, they're pretty great um, statistic-wise for an automata. Uh, You've got move 8, weapon skill 4, ballistic skill 3, strength and toughness 7, just like a Dreadnought, uh, 5 wounds, initiative 3, attacks 3, leadership 8, uh, three plus save um, and they are 150 points each which is spectacularly cheaper from where they used to be I think that's a 75 point drop from their initial incarnation in first edition uh, so these boys are automata uh, with a cybernetica and heavy subtypes so you can't run with them but they're automata uh, they are cybernetica, however, uh, which means that you do have to have that Cortex controller uh, to keep them from derping around on their own. Uh, they have the Shrapnel Cannons uh, natively, Graviton Mauls, Carceri Battle Shields, which are super fun. We'll get to that. Uh, these boys are relentless. They have Hammer of Wrath 3, which is dope. Squish. Uh, right? Uh, three Strength 7 Impact Hits. Sorry. Hammer of Wrath. I'm a fantasy player by heart. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty great. And you got Shielded Iron Tyrant. 
Also, you get a 15-point discount if you want to add up to five additional Domitar Ferrum, which I want just... I mean, if I make Iron Warriors, it's going to start with like five or six Domitar Ferrum and a Warsmith and go from there. Like, I'll be honest. So, uh, let's talk about some of their unique fun stuff. Uh, model with, let's see, the Carceri Battle Shield. So, this is uh, like a, uh, what is it, the Adamantic Deflector that Dreadnoughts have, but mm -hmm. a little bit better. Um, so, gives you that same 5-up and vulnerable, and if you suffer an instant death, you only lose D3, exactly like a Dreadnought. However, um, any charge that targets a unit uh, with one or more Carceri Battle Shields, which is not locked in combat already, counts um, is always resolved as disorganized. Or, excuse me, disordered. That is spectacular. It's free hold the Welcome line. Welcome back to old boarding shields. Yes! So it's free hold the line um, that you don't have to spend your reaction on, and you know, they're robots so they can't react. Downside there. Um, but you lose that bonus attack, you lose the bonus initiative or strength from Sudden Strike or Furious Assault, respectively. You lose Rage, um, you really screw with White Scars and the Kantos Power Lance, you know, if you wanted to, as if White Scars needed it. Um, it's great! And it really, I think, helps cut down that downside of being automata and being unable to react. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, together uh, with Moving Bulwark, which is also terrific, uh, when a model with a special rule is in base contact with another friendly model that also has Moving Bulwark, both increase their invulnerable save by one step uh, to a maximum of 4+. plus. So, uh, sadly, cannot boost your uh, Master of Automata model that's hanging out in there with them, but it does boost them up to a 4+. And that is just flat, like, plus one uh, against shooting, against combat. Uh, yeah, they're mean in combat now. Yeah. They, it's like T7 with uh, five wounds and a four-up in foam. Yeah, uh, it really helps them. At first, they're not a match one-on-one -on -one for a Contemptor, but two or more together... Um, gives you a better invulnerable it gives you plenty of attacks with haywire um they've got three attacks each so even with weapon skill four rolling fives to hit that dreadnought if you don't blind or concuss it or whatever still pretty darn good odds considering you're working with um haywire anyway and brutal too uh, yeah i think these guys are really well designed to have to just soak a lot of damage and then have whoever the HQ is deal out some serious pain, whether it's, right. whether it's Purdy, whether it's a Warsmith with a Thunder Hammer, like whatever's in there, you know, the, you know, in the Contemptor versus Iron Circle matchup, I'm not even so concerned about what the Contemptor can you know how bad the iron circle can dish out damage to contemptor i want the iron circle just to soak just damage and be repairable by a battlesmith 
Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, it's going to turn around and then the HQ is just going to deal a ton of damage back. So, yeah, the, so I'm not as concerned with the, the weapon skill. I mean, yeah, of course, if you could choose to have weapon skill 5, you would choose to have weapon skill 5. But, yeah, I think the, um, I think, I think it's just an amazing unit at soaking damage. Yep, and it bears noting as well that uh, they st- they hit like trucks. Absolutely, um, because at weapon skill four, they're not screwed hitting other space marines like most cybernetica are, because um, they're going to hit on fours. And they are base strength seven, but the graviton mall adds plus two to that, so they're just swinging hammers at strength nine. Mm-hmm. Doubling out those marines. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, you don't care about weapon skill with uh, hammer of wrath; they hit automatically. Yep. Yeah. And yep. It's nothing to sniff at. Just three strength seven attacks at initiative ten, which they do struggle a tiny bit with initiative three. Um, can kind of have a little bit of an issue of uh, like chain bayonets or uh, chain swords, you know, kind of trying to dogpile wounds through on them. But I mean, other than that, and they're so inexpensive now compared to where they were. Uh, it's just 180, 285, excuse me, uh, for two of them. That's great. It's a terrific little tool to have in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they, don't, and the lar- they used to be HQ choices, didn't they? Like That's you a- had to either take them with part or with um, an Iron uh, Warrior's Warlord? Like they had to go as a... Now, uh, that is one thing you reminded me of, a small downside. Uh, they no longer have the Guardian rule for the HQ, so you do have to, you can take them separately. They don't have to be a retinue, but they can only join something that has a Master of Automata. So a Pravian, a Forge Lord, a Warsmith, or Perturabo himself. <laughs> I am a little torn on whether I want to go with a Forge Lord or a. Um, Warsmith. Warsmiths are, of course, very iconically Iron Warriors-y. Um, they're great. You can take a Terminator one, get a four-wound dude in there um, with a good and vulnerable save. Uh, they're high already, weapon skill. Yeah, high weapon skill. Um, they're already heavy, so like a dude in cataphracty armor isn't going to slow them down uh, run-wise. However, uh, with a Warsmith... Um, you do not get with a what you do with a Forge Lord in a Machinator array, which is great. Uh, that boosts his uh, Battlesmith up to pretty much the same. Um, I do like the Machinator array a little bit better. It's a shredding armor bane power axe uh, as opposed to just a flat power fist. Um, and the Forge Lord can take a. Um, cyber familiar where the warsmith cannot for some bogus reason Uh, so that does help them against things um, like blinding is probably not going to happen to an initiative five unit but this makes extra sure it's not going to happen i kind of uh i kind of like the idea of a pravian honestly uh because a pravian will also unlock some thalax uh, so you can kind of diversify yeah. your portfolio without having to bring allies or special you, right of war. And, and you allies, have... I think, make a fantastic Sorry. like screen for Iron Circle. They just kind of zip around, lightning cannoning stuff. 
lightning you guns do are have pretty a special great. character too also pravian um and that can tie back into what you're saying where you can use the special character because iron circle is strangely not even though they were created by perturabo after the battle of fall mm-hmm. they're not locked to traitor so you can have yeah. a loyalist pravian running around with giant um hammer shield robots well, I mean, we wouldn't want to keep toys from the loyalists. That would hurt their feelings, and we can't True have facts. that. True facts. I mean, otherwise, they'll go and tell the principal, like their mom will get dragged into it. <laughs> it'll it'll be a whole thing. You can't like, take units from me. My dad owns a dealership. <laughs> loyalists do occasionally have big, my dad owns a dealership energy. Mm-hmm. And I mean... In case it's not obvious to our listeners, I mean, again, all three of us are dyed in the wool super traders, so. Yeah, you just had to listen to two Imperial Fist episodes, so right. I think I think it's time to, <laughs> to, to uh, balance the scales a little bit. Right? The mods are asleep. Post-trader, <laughs> Post-trader content. content. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well... Uh, speaking of special units, uh, let's talk about those Tyrant Siege Terminators. I feel like people that don't play Iron Warriors, if they know anything about the Legion, it's, hey, you guys have those Terminators that like shoot a million crack missiles, right? Can, can yes, I do we this do. one? Absolutely. Take it away. Okay. So this one's pretty easy. So basically, you take normal Cataphracty Terminators... They're 300 for a set of five, right? They're basically stat line. They're cataphracty terminators. Nothing, nothing big there. Um, they do gain firing protocols too, which at first you're like, what? Why do they have firing protocols too? Why do they have firing protocols too? Because they come with their own type of rocket launcher. So they have the Tyrant rocket launcher. So they're everything you love about Cataphracty and Terminators with a rocket pack on the back, which is super epic. Um, You can take uh, five additional ones for 55 points. You can give them a chain fist if you really, really want, which is nice because the basic box comes with it. So does it come with the basic plastic box comes with the two lightning claws. So if you'd like to go more for anti just general infantry, you can also have that option. And you can, of course, take a grenade harness. But again, the money what you're really going for for the funsies is you get two pieces of special equipment. The first piece of a special equipment you get is an omniscope. So this is only on your um, uh, this is only on your siege master, who is effectively like your sergeant. Um, so you want to make sure he stays alive because what the the omniscope does is a unit that includes one model with the omniscope, which is going to be your siege master, ignores all effects of night fighting, which is amazing. Um, essentially it also allows you to make the interceptor advanced reaction and this does not uh, cost one of your uh, the controlling player a point from their reaction allotment same normal rules it doesn't let you make an extra reaction with the same unit but does allow you to exceed the limit for three reactions in a phase so you get night fighting and you can make the free interceptor an advanced reaction, which is amazing. And what are you making a reaction with? 
you're making the reaction with the Tyrant Rocket Launcher, which are these individual, they look to me, like when I look at them, I'm always like, aren't these cyclonic missile launchers? But they're slightly different. Um, their rules are they can shoot frag, crack, or flak missiles. Um, the big difference, and you guys can help me out on this, I feel like the stats are slightly different from a um, from a uh, cyclone from missile a launcher. Can you? Uh, let me see. I you, can you read keep going them. And I'll look I up. think they're different, though, but maybe I'm wrong. They're all 48 inch inches because they're missiles. Um, the frag is strength four, AP six, heavy pinning, uh, heavy four pinning, right? Um, the crack is strength eight, AP three, heavy two. I think that might be one of the differences. So you're getting two shots. Uh, yeah, the Tyrant rocket launcher has one extra shot compared to just a regular missile launcher. And then does a regular missile launcher automatically have uh, flak because mm -hmm. that's enough? Okay. So then yeah, same flak range, is 48. Uh, same strength and AP, but bigger. Um, oh, interesting. Frag missiles for a regular missile launcher are blast. Uh, frag missiles out of the Tyrant are just regular heavy four shots. Huh. That interesting. is interesting. Now... So looking so, at yeah, this... I was just going to say the biggest things with this are, are crack missiles... You're getting two shots. In squad of five, you're getting ten crack missile shots. That is the same amount of missile shots that a heavy support missile squad would do. So that is very, very impressive. Um, my main issues with this unit are it's expensive. It's 300 points um, for the squad, squad of five. It doesn't have AP2 outside of, you know, its power fist, which it natively comes from. But this squad wrecks, just wrecks um, normal power armor marines. Like, you will just tear through them. Now, uh, now looking at them, uh, and kind of going off of what your your issue with them is, that it's five guys, right, for 300 points, that's pretty expensive. Um, here is a perfect unit to put a Tyrant of the Lasatra in. Uh, because all of these missiles already have plus one over their regular missile counterpart, Tyrant of the Lasatra lets them add another um, yeah. shot to it. So your frags become heavy five pinning, your your cracks are heavy three, your flaks are heavy three. Um, when they return fire, because they have to, or when they do um, bitter fury, because they have to, that's uh, ten frag shots per guy, six crack shots per guy or six flak shots per guy that's so many rockets and Gross. all you had to do was put your warlord in them right and it's relentless so you can move these guys up the board if you need to get them closer because of some sort of range issue um and um they're also their weapons are not ap2 so if they do get hot they're rolling their armor save and so they'll probably be fine so those i mean it makes for a very powerful unit Oh mm -hmm. yeah, it is mm -hmm. kind of. I mean, it's definitely threat red tier one. That's got to die first for your opponent. Yeah, and it's just the, it's so much firepower. So what's interesting? Uh, they're a little bit different. I was just comparing them to the cyclone missile launcher for the javelin. Um, a little bit different there too, because their version of the frag is. Uh, the same strength and AP, but it's a uh, heavy one bla uh, large blast as opposed to heavy four pinning. I kind of like the Tyrant more. 
Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we've all we've all fired tempest bolts from right. and having to resolve more than one blast from a unit is a yeah. huge pain in the ass. I'm guessing that's why they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably. Two, it's really nice. They come stock with uh, flak missiles as well for uh, strength seven AP three. Uh, combined with that omniscope, uh, they ignore the effects of night fighting, and it gives them a free interceptor reaction. Uh, just like an augury scanner. So, I mean, it's actually a little bit better than an augury scanner because they just flat ignore all the effects of night fighting. So mm-hmm. the, the ballistic skill penalty, the range penalty, the leadership penalty. I mean, that's great. And I would I would say strength eight, basically strength eight flak rockets because the only thing you're ever firing at is airplanes. Uh, yeah vehicles anyway those are those are fairly lightly armored to begin with mm-hmm. right and your and your legion trait your crack missiles are going to be effectively strength nine right um, which taking us taking you know 10 of those shots at pretty much any vehicle is going to be horrendous um yeah. but the night fighting is a big one too you know i mean a lot of my games we're playing night fighting I think it depends on your meta. Some places, I, f- I feel like when I hear, listen to other podcasts, some places don't seem like their meta is really employing night fighting. And maybe it's because me and Jason just play each other. <laughs> <laughs> right. And we're like team night fighting. Um, we're always waking so up in the middle of the night to have start our battles. <laughs> Waterloo starts at 1 a.m. Be ready. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, that is huge because you don't have to put – there's a lot of centurion or equipment sort of babysitting that you do for heavy weapon squads. Right. Um, and so not having to pay for any of that, having this be a much more mobile, um, again, a mobile unit that doesn't really need a babysitter, that is a huge threat um, that ties in with its the legion trait and with the reaction. I just think that this is an amazing unit to pretty much have in any in any Iron Warriors army. Yeah, because I mean, too, when you've still got that bitter fury in your back pocket, like nobody's going to want to shoot at these guys because it's just they're absolutely going to get plastered with crack rockets in return. Yeah, and you would think that the thing you'd want to shoot at them are rending guns which are like auto cannons so space marines uh tanks mm-hmm. vehicles they can anyone <laughs> anyone that looks at them funny they're going to return fire or bitter fury back and just wipe it off the table right yeah the only thing you're probably going to struggle with with them is is dreadnoughts you know because they're ap because they're armor two up right um, they have a high toughness you're going to probably wound them um, but you know, they're going to be, you know, they're only going to be taking a wound on a one. Uh, so that's the only one that, you know, I would avoid the temptation of peppering that thing with your crack missiles. Um, I would instead save it. Um, but you know, planes, I mean, these things are going to wreck planes coming in from reserve. They're going to get their interceptor. It probably will be in range because of 48 inch range. They don't care about night fightings. So if night fighting's going on in round right. two, they're going to still hit the plane. So if you know if your opponent's rolling planes up to the board and they see these models, they'll definitely be sad face because, yeah, it's a very, very, very versatile unit. Okay. Well, that's a pretty. Uh, I mean, really, their only downside: dreadnoughts and maybe the three hundred point price tag. No. 
I mean, I, I would even, I, I wouldn't even necessarily be super afraid of dreadnoughts um, because it's five guys firing two rockets. That's 10 rockets. Uh, or five guys firing three rockets with a tyrant to the Lasatra. 15 strength, nine rockets. I don't care how, how like honored of a warrior you are. You're not going to make all those saves. Probably not. <laughs> well, um, in that same vein, uh, let's jump over here a little bit. The Iron Warriors did catch a little bit of an unfair hand, I feel, with uh, Liber Hereticus, because some of their best things were left out, uh, like Iron Havocs, uh, only to end up in the legacy document. So while we're here, and before we talk about special characters, uh, let's check out Iron Havocs. So... These guys are 135 for 5. Um, you've got a pretty standard marine stat line across the board, except ballistic skill 5. Um, they are leadership 7 with 8 on the sergeant, so not quite as good as some other you know, standard elites that are like 8 and 9. Uh, they're heavy as standard. They come stock with shrapnel cannon, bolt pistol grenades, and the ferrum oculus. So the ferrum oculus, shooting attacks made using this weapon with a heavy type, uh, gain precision shots 6+, plus, as long as the attack is not a reaction or a snapshot. And they have the options to upgrade that shrapnel cannon with auto cannon for free, uh, missile Launcher with Frag, Crack, and Flak for 5, or Laz Cannon for 15. Uh, the Iron Havoc Sergeant can take a couple of, um, let's see, Power Weapon, Power Fist, Artificer Armor, Nuncio Vox, Melt-A-Bombs. These guys feel like they're in a little bit of an odd spot. So clearly they're slightly better uh, heavy weapons teams. The downside is... Uh, those last cannons are pretty expensive. Um, the Ferrum Oculus feels kind of odd, because uh, if you compare them to something like the uh, Emperor's Children, uh, have these Sun Killer veterans, uh, those dudes are pretty nasty. They've got like the same ballistic skill 5, but also as long as they are not making like a snapshot, uh, you can't take a um like an evade or cover save against them that's pretty good um what do you guys think like they're inexpensive like it's 135 for five to start and clearly like you can't complain at a um you know heavy weapons squad with ballistics go five but other than that they feel like a little awkward to me yeah i think that they their fluff doesn't quite match with their rules mm -hmm. and i think that can be discouraging for players especially new players because i think a lot of people wanted them to be sun killers i think they wanted them to be exactly what you you were saying earlier um because sun killers are amazing at knocking out vehicles knocking out big targets mm -hmm. and i think the iron havocs are better at um I mean, they'll still do that. Don't get me wrong. You put them, you put last cannons in, they'll still do that. But what I think they really shine, where I really think they shine is if you want a last cannon squad, heavy support squad, you know, I think there's a really good argument of just going 
heavy support and putting some sort of leader, some sort of HQ in there, some sort of centurion, you know, that gets them a cogniz that will get them up to ballistic skill five effectively because a cogniz gives you night fighting and plus one to ballistic skill. Mm-hmm. So getting up that in a heavy support squad can a lot of times mimic what the Havocs do. Where I think the Havocs can shine and what I've seen people doing with them is running them either with the shrap metal cannon, which they come equipped with, or the auto cannon, which is free. So the auto cannon, we've already talked about how the the Iron Warriors Legion trait natively makes an auto cannon a much scarier weapon. Right. And then you give it ballistic skill 5, Right, so it's hitting on a two, and then you effectively, because of the um, ferum ocularius, you give it a precision strike. And natively, an auto cannon also has rend on a six up. So now you've got a squad, a highly accurate squad, that can pick units out, pick models out of a unit with with precision shots. And when they are doing precision shots, they're also rending. So I think these guys will can be amazing anti-infantry unit, um, especially if you need more volume of fire, you know, bitter fire, so now they're shooting four each. Um, that, or you put the, um, the, the HQ with the Warlord trait to give them more shots on the return. Uh, I, again, I think that is where, where they really shine. I don't really think it's points effective to use these guys as a dedicated anti-tank dreadnought weapon unit but that being said if you did it i don't think you're doing anything wrong like i still think you'll see lots of success i think it's just not necessarily maybe the most points effective um use of this unit well talking about points effective um again comparing to them to the uh sun killer squad uh, the Sun Killers also start out at uh, five guys, uh, but they're 185 instead yeah. of 135. <laughs> and uh, here's the fun part. Uh, you can take up to 15 more in that squad, and they're 40 points each. Yeah. They come stock with a last cannon. Yeah. Do you, I mean, are you not going to then throw in an apothecary? Like, I feel like if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound at that point. Right, like, right. you might as well give it, like, a new paint job. You might as well, you know, like, every <laughs> exactly. single, like, one of those little surf models, you know, that's, like, polishing the gun. If that guy costs five points, just throw him in there, too, you know? Well, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's temporary children. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. He's definitely getting a clean model. Yeah, I, I definitely think that at this point... Yeah, I, the Sun Killers are so expensive. Um, but I do understand players' frustration when they're like, you know, yeah, I want it to just do the thing it does in the fluff. So yeah. when, when that disconnect happens, I feel like that's a, a type of frustration and points are a different type of frustration. But I do think they're a cool unit. I'm personally really glad that they upped our massive footprint in the... Um, in the uh, the Libra Heretics, where we had like the literally the least amount of pages of any um, any uh, uh, Legion, so I'm glad they included these. They're an iconic unit. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, the other uh, interesting unit we got to talk about that's also not in the book itself is the Dominator Cohort. 
So these guys are the unique um, close combat terminators, and uh, they are a lot cheaper than the tyrant terminators, um, but a little less immediately, um, you know, as brutal as they are. So let's check these guys out. They're zero to one for two twenty-five for five to start. Uh, they have a weapon skill of five and a leadership of nine which is pretty great. Um, you've got a combi bolter, thunder hammer, and they are in cataphracty armor. Uh, they are relentless, stubborn. Uh, they have hatred automata. They have the special rule, those once honored. They are bulky and chosen warriors. Uh, and just like normal terminators, you can take a proteus. Um, but Interestingly enough, you cannot take a Spartan, which is annoying at first, but it kind of plays into their fluff of kind of being out of um, you know out of touch and kind of a relic, uh, because these dudes are basically the guys that got replaced by Perturabo for the Iron Circle. And let's see, they've got a couple of options going on. You can take up to five more for forty points. Uh, for every five models, you can take a Heavy Flamer for 10, a Reaper Autocannon for 15, or a Multi-Melta, which is pretty nice um, and unique amongst Terminators for 25. I think only the uh, Just Aaron can also do that. Uh, you can swap out a Thunder Hammer for a Chain Fist. I don't know if you ever would. It is free, but I mean, you're an Iron Warrior, so anything you'd be hitting and getting a bonus for for a Chain Fist... Would... Yeah, I don't think you'd do it. I yeah, think you'd keep that Thunder Hammer. Yeah, because Brutal is just so terrific, especially when you're strength 9 against Dreadnoughts. Yeah. It's pretty great. Um, yeah. Then you can take uh, the normal standard Magna or Minor Combi Weapon for 15, or I'm sorry, for 10 or 5 points each. Then uh, you've got Those Once Honored, which is a combination of the Retinue Squad, um, just like any other Retinue Squad, um, but also... Uh, you can only take these as a retinue squad for Perturabo. Um, so these guys, if you take them as a retinue squad, just like normal, uh, they don't take up that elite slot. Um, they have to be put with Perturabo, and you have to deploy them, again, just like a retinue squad. However, uh, if they do that, they lose Hatred Automata and instead, instead gain Feel No Pain 6+. Plus. Um, and if you do that, then the army may not include any Iron Circle Domitar Ferrum. You had me, again, up until that last sentence, no Iron Circle, I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm a head I, out. Yeah, I think this, I mean, I will defend these guys. I'll, I'll, I'll be the public defender here. I, I really like this unit for a lot of reasons. Um, the first reason is that Weapon Skill 5 for for iron warriors is very difficult to come upon right um you know they're they're all the standard units that have them is effectively how you get access to them you this is your elite terminator weapon skill five unit I, it, most legions i feel like have some version of an elite weapon skill five um and i feel like you know as far as close combat we were talking about wanting to get into close combat wanting to not be a one-sided army because i don't want to play the towel of um the, the the 40k towel of horse heresy i want to be able to have some units that can um fisticuffs and, and have some fun and in, in assault 
And I think this is it. I think if you want an elite unit that can fisticuff and has a good chance against a lot of models, it has a lot of rules that I appreciate. I appreciate that these guys are just straight up stubborn. Um, that is nice. Chosen warriors, that is great. Um, you know, to protect the um, to protect an HQ uh, character that that's running along with them. Uh, the thunder hammer access. Uh, leadership i mean i leadership nine i, I mean again i just I, across the board i think this is a great unit um this is one i'm looking forward to building in the future uh yeah i mean i think it's great i think they've got fun fluff you know these are the bitter of the bitter boys uh that they you know again it's the super purdy thing to be like you failed me and so instead of you guys being my friends, I'm going to go make my friends in my garage with spare parts and light bulbs. <laughs> that seems like a very Bertorabo thing to do. Uh, so, I, yeah, I like these guys a lot. Well, what I was thinking about comparing them to a standard Cataphract Terminator squad, you're actually getting a pretty substantial discount because just like, at baseline, a five-man Cataphracty squad with Thunder Hammers on all five guys is going to be 250 points. And then you don't get the Leadership 9, you don't get the Weapon Skill 5. Uh, it's a little niche, but you don't get Hatred Automata, and you definitely don't get um, Stubborn. Or Chosen Warrior. Yeah, or Chosen Warrior. So they, I feel like they are a lot better than that initial... like. To be fair, the, the initial readover I gave them. Um, yeah, yeah, I did the same thing where I looked at these these guys and I was like, well, yeah, you know, they don't have some special rule that's really like blowing, you know, knocking that knocking me down. But the more I look at them, the more I play Iron Warriors, the more I feel like they fit. They can fill a hole in the army, and the hole in the army, you know, just getting the Lieber Heracticus units is that elite Terminator squad that can run in and can do melee with other elite melee squads. Right. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty good point. They do fill that gap of a heavy weapon skill 5 melee unit. And, I mean, you're not gonna expect them. Like, setting up across from an Iron Warriors player you're going to expect like a whole boatload of shooting. You're not going to expect weapon skill five heavy combat terminators. Right. I will say I am a little inherently biased against cataphracty terminators just because um, I feel like it's kind of crippling to have a melee unit that can't sweep a unit it beats in combat. But I mean, when you have like, a whole boatload of weapon skill five thunder hammer attacks. I mean, it's kind of like fire drakes, right? You're probably not going to have a whole lot of a squad to sweep in the aftermath anyway. Yeah. And also too, I think you, you know, you pick your target, right? And right. You know, like one of the things that I think you can do with iron warriors is they have tools to kill tax, right? right. They have right. tools to kill power. They have a lot of different tools to kill power, armored space marines i hmm. think these are the guys that you look across the board and you go you know oh man there's that amazing you know terminator squad elite terminator squad that if i don't put something in front of it it's just gonna 
you know, as I said earlier, Pac-Man through my army. Right. So, so this is at least an like a really cool potential speed bump for one of those amazing, um, you know, elite other unit squads. Also, too, I think you know it should be noted that for new players, when you're buying the base box, this is a great thing. Like these are literally like there's a lot of ways to get a hold of thunder plastic thunder hammers on eBay and other sites. You can 3D print them, oh, yeah, and so good I think point. it's really easy to slap on some thunder hammers on your basic box, put them in a Spartan. Yeah, you can't get a dedicated transport, but a Spartan is a great heavy support unit anyway. It's just really fun. It's really thematic. And it comes in the base box. Throw them in the Spartan and roll them down the board. And I think that's a fun thing for new players um, that, you know, is an option to do that you don't need to buy special resin elite unit Terminators. That is not a bad point overall. So, uh, I feel like we've talked about some of the retinue units for him a lot, but I feel like we can't wrap up here without talking about Perturabo and his ride, the Tormentor. <laughs> so let's check out Perturabo here first. Uh, we're looking at 425 for the Master of the Iron Warriors, the Lord of Iron, the Hammer of Olympia himself. Uh, we're looking at Movement 7, Weapon Skill, Ballistic Skill 7, Strength 6, Toughness 7, 6 Wounds, Initiative 5, 6 Attacks, Leadership 10, and a 2 plus save. Um, he's got the standard suite of Primark special rules from his unit type, um, and he's got Frag Grenades, a Cortex Controller, and his special armor, the Logos. Uh, special rules-wise... Same L.A. Astarte's um, Iron Warriors. He's got Master of the Legion, Master of Automata, which is great. Battlesmith 2-Up, Firing Protocols 2, uh, Traitor, and Sire of the Iron Warriors. And his one and only option, not counting Tormentor, uh, you can give him Forgebreaker Desecrated for 35 points. I think... Now, uh, for 35 points stacked on his uh, 425, it does bump him up to one of the more expensive Primarchs. Uh, but Forgebreaker Desecrated is pretty great. Yeah, the, t the two quick points I would add into what you're saying. So they did fax out the firing protocols, too. There's a lot of like debate about what that meant. Um, but they faxed that out in the latest right, facts. Right, right, so right. Doesn't have that anymore. Um, uh, yeah, Forge Breaker getting the brutal too. I wish it was the same Forge Breaker that Manus hits you in the face with, because that is brutal three. Yeah, I think that might be the bitter one of the bitterest cut of, cuts of all for Iron Warriors players. They reduce that from three to two. But um, yeah, getting getting the brutal two and the AP one. Uh, especially if you're, I mean, you're probably going to be in a challenge if you're not, if you're taking on anything that's dedicated close combat, right. probably in a, in a challenge with Perturabo. So going last is, is a problem, but he's initiative five anyways. Mm -hmm. So you are probably not beating anybody on initiative, even with your regular, 
your regular um, close combat weapon, your your logos uh, fists. Right. So yeah, I, I, mastercrafted again. That's another thing that gets overlooked. But being able to reroll one strength twelve AP one brutal two strike can mm-hmm. make a big difference in in a fight. It is a little bit annoying too that. Um, Forge Breaker, when Ferris has it, it's initiative six. But when um, when Perturabo uses it, it's unwieldy. Again, like we don't want to hurt loyalist feelings, but that's a little lame, guys. Yeah, I feel like Purdy needs to slap another like double D battery into the back and knock it up to its full potential. Right. Um, you know, I it. it it is interesting. I, I am curious why they made those changes. I'm always curious because you know we don't get like a we don't get a writer's notes on these kind of things usually. Very so true. That is it is interesting. Um, but yeah, we can go back to discussing some of the other aspects of Perturabo. So, uh, uh, Sire of the Iron Warriors, pretty decent. Um, so that's his warlord trait. Uh, all models with Iron Warriors and the infantry type in the same army as Perturabo roll an additional dice when making morale or pinning tests caused by shooting attacks and discard the die with the highest result before the result of the check. Kind of a little bit of a callback to their own, uh, their first edition deal. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't quite as good as essentially fearless versus shooting, but definitely makes you more solid. And uh, then, of course, Perturabo also gets an additional reaction during the shooting phase. Yeah, I think his warlord trait is actually pretty strong. I mean, I mean, I think, and 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 this is maybe skipping a little ahead to the end of my ideas, but I I really feel like Perturabo is in. He's not in the melee tier of Primarchs. He's just right. not. Um, you know, as soon as you see weapon skill seven, you know he's not that top tier of melee primarchs um but what he does is a whole bunch of amazing buffing mm-hmm. or not a whole bunch he does some amazing buffing in that and i don't know for me one of the reasons why i like the like the fluff of iron warriors is they're they're pretty unflappable right you know they're they're, right. they're, they're famous for just doing what they do taking their licks not running away um, getting the job done, and so I fit. The, I think this warlord trait. I was happy when I read this because I really do think it fits in with what you want the the Iron Warriors to do, which is like stoically take a bunch of fire and then return the fire. Uh, and I think they allow that. The shooting reaction is my favorite reaction currently. I may change as I play, but I really like the shooting extra shooting reaction. So I think his warlord trait is is one of the best things about him. I think you're right. Like he's never going a, a Primarch is never going to be weak. I mean, they're always going to kick over whatever they run into, except if it's another Primarch. Um But yeah, I think you're right. It does make the entirety of your army so much more solid against a lot of the things uh in second edition that now cause like problems um pinning is so much more prevalent and so much more devastating than it was in the first edition and while occasionally like you know people uh, compare perturabo to say dorn and ferris um 
but he really kind of comes out pretty well. Uh, he does have a 2-up armor, 3-up invulnerable, which is pretty nice. Uh, also ignores all the effects of night fighting. Uh, you know, entertainingly, you know, Primarchs already ignore most of night fighting because they're immune to anything that affects their stats negatively. Um, but he also ignores that uh, 6 inches it would have shaved off of his uh, little Logos Array ranged attack here. Um, which is no, which is not a I mean I, I don't I don't have all the other Primarch stats memorized but I would bet that this is one of the best range weapons that if not the best range weapon any of the Primarchs have because I mean assault six twin link shred penning shell shock one mm-hmm. on an AP three weapon with a thirty inch range uh, <laughs> I mean yeah. that will do some damage with a lot of the Primarchs it seems the uh, ranged weapon is really kind of an afterthought right here's Uh, your fancy bolter yeah i mean like i mean pistol i mean here's your fancy pistol right and they all have cool names like the spite furnace which is mastercrafted plasma pistol who cares right Uh, i kind of like i love angron as a primarch both like in the fluff and on the table it's a little frustrating he's not weapon skill nine anymore like he should be but eh, what are you gonna do yeah. getting off um but yeah i think you're right uh perturabo is one of the only primarchs where it doesn't feel like the ranged weapon is an afterthought maybe no. ferris like ferris has a little plasma blaster but even then i think you end up better here yeah i think i think he's a really i mean again i also uh, an also fun thing about his warlord trait is he doesn't even have to be on the table yeah. So you could be theoretically bringing him in from reserve, and he's still benefiting <laughs> the whole board, which is nice. So he can be in his plane, like you know, in orbit or something, and he's still benefiting the whole army. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think if you're playing this game, you know, as far as what is optimal, I don't think Purdy is an optimal uh, Primarch. But I think he does add va- a lot of value to the army as a whole, which I think is nice as opposed to just because, you know, a lot of the times we talk about the Primarchs being kind of boring on the tabletop because they're right. basically just close combat monsters. They're the same giant beat stick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're different flavors of the same ice cream. But but Perturabo <laughs> is different than that. Perturabo is, you you know, if you don't get him into close combat every single round, you're not going to feel bad. You're not going right. to be like, oh, this is a total waste of my points. He's like, still doing stuff. Yeah. And if you're playing a really, really big game, I mean, imagine playing like like a 3,000 to 6,000 point game. Right. Perturabo is an amazing, I mean, an amazing warlord to have for like an actual Siege of Terror style war where having that one you know amazing close combat primark mm-hmm. suddenly becomes much less impressive compared to purdy so yeah i think in a big game you will see a huge force multiplier by including him right again because he just makes the majority of your infantry just so much more solid and reliable yeah. without needing to somehow figure out a way to put fearless or stubborn into all the units you're terrified are going to run away round one because of night fighting and getting shot or something exactly uh so just to kind of wrap up here uh let's talk about the tormentor because it's funny <laughs> and i it's want so to funny it's so funny 
<laughs> so this guy is more than double Perturabo's base cost at 900 points. Uh, <laughs> looking at move 10, he is a ballistic skill 5 shadow sword. Uh, front and side armor 13, rear 12, 12 hull points, 24 transport capacity. What you want to stick in there, I have no idea. It's a little ridiculous. But Yeah, and Jason, if you really wanted to include two of these in your army, I know you did. <laughs> they are unfately a unique type, so yeah. you will not be able to include yeah, just, your, your double just tornado to list that you've been working on for, for months. Because... <laughs> You can only take Perturabo. Uh, you can only take the Tormentor if you have Perturabo. And even then, like, gosh, what would that be? So he's 465 with uh, Forge Breaker. And then you got 900 points for this dude, is 1365. So that means you'd need to play a minimum of a 5,460 point game, 5,500 points. Uh, in order to take the Tormentor and yeah, have it... just an easy Sunday afternoon game yeah, with your friends. Right? <laughs> so, uh, what do you get for these 900 points? Well, you get a turret-mounted Volcano Cannon, which is nice because the Shadow Sword is hull-mounted. This is turret-mounted. Oh, that um, is a big difference, actually. Yeah, 360 degrees. Uh, you got a whole uh, front-mounted twin-linked heavy bolter. You got a left-mounted um, twin-linked heavy bolter and last cannon. And you got a right hull-mounted twin-linked heavy bolter and last cannon. Then you got smoke launchers and a searchlight. Because, I mean, at this point, 900 points, of course it comes with a searchlight. So yeah. it's lit up like a disco ball. Right. Uh, it does have Legionus Astartes Iron Warriors, so strength 15 on that uh, Volcano Cannon. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you instant death dreadnoughts. That's, yeah. That's fun. Um, it's got one Void Shield, which is hilarious. Um, and it has the Torment Special Rule, uh, which just is any army with Perturabo. Has the Tormentor as a dedicated transport for him. Uh, doesn't take up an additional force org, but it must still be paid for part of the army and count towards the maximum combined Lords of War and Primarch. So I guess technically you don't have to take Perturabo first. This can just be your Lords of War. It's just you can take yeah. it as a dedicated transport. Because, you know, why not? Yeah, 24 transport is pretty significant. Um I think, yeah, it's pretty large. But yeah, I mean, again, at 900 points, this thing better make me lunch and right. make sure that I have a ride to game. Like, it just, <laughs> 900 points is so many points. Right. Especially, it is a super heavy, right? But, you know, there's so many things that can knock this thing down quickly. Mm -hmm. It's not even mm -hmm. armor 14. It's armor it's 13. Not. You know, so it's going to get, you know, it's going to draw all the fire it should. Right. Um, but I think it's, you know, fluffy. I know a lot of people from 1.0, especially really hardcore Iron War players, 
you know, they have a model that represents this. Of so course. I'm really glad that they can field this on the tabletop because nothing's worse than having your favorite model that you worked really, really hard on suddenly not be playable. Uh, so I'm glad that they did, they did include this in, in the list, even as silly as a 900-point right. <laughs> Shadow Sword is. It's, um, yeah, it... It's there, you can use it, even if it's not 100% optimal. Yeah, I mean, it's going to do, I mean, it's going to do some amazing stuff. Like, like whatever you point at it, it's going to, I mean, with Ballistic Skill 5, you're going to, you're going to wreck some stuff. You're going to seriously, seriously wreck some stuff. Um, And it's also a thing you can get in Plastic and Kit Bash. So you can get the Shadow Sword, you can get... Um, I think people who kit bash this, they, they combine two versions of the Bane Blade kit right. by the Bane, Bane, Bane Blade box, and then they combined, I think it's maybe the Storm Lord, it's whichever one has the, the transport capacity. Right. And they that. combine that with the, the Shadow Sword um, ginormous gun, and, <laughs> um, uh, and they make an amazing model. So I'm glad to see it's in a thing. I just... As a new player, I look at this and go, yeah, I'm going to pass for now. (laughs) Fair. Well, that about does it for us. Um, Brennan, anything you'd like to add here at the end for our listeners that have hung on with us for this long? Yeah, so thanks for making it this long. Um, uh, I appreciate it. I also want to just thank the Remembrancer's retreat podcast as a whole for including me in this i i hopefully will come back for more things uh this this is i uh, i love you guys i love the podcast and um, i'm very happy to be a part of it if you want to communicate with me um i'm on instagram i'm um at glenn henry raw so r-a raw glenn henry raw if you want to communicate with me send a message um, show me your Iron Warriors or send me, check out my Iron Warriors. That'd be great. And um, again, thanks, Jesse, Jason. This was awesome. I had a blast. Glad to hear it. Well, folks, that is the majority of everything from us. Um, we love you all dearly. Come back, listen to more of me, uh, listen to more of Brennan, Steve, Jesse, all the rest of the crew coming up shortly. Take care, guys. Peace out. Starting with our Legion Praetors, Alex Self, Captain Sasquatch, Chap Lanisar, Chris Matt, Burger Got Tree of Woe, Joe from Music City Heresy, Pizzuto, Matthew Boyce, Michael Tisdall, Mr. Baldwick, Nick Quanga, Rita the Fleet, Sarah Luther, Marion Hammer, and Zachary Thompson. Our Legion Centurions, Aaron Bainbrook, Andrew N, Dave Jones, Duncan, Corpro, Life of Aquatic, Intent. Matthew Andreasio, Nick Hill, Richard Bork, Scott LeMay, Zoy, and Winter. And finally, our Legion Sergeants, Aircraft Terrier, Wolfarius, Dale Jones, Emily O'Hare, Eric Dacus, Garrett Lowe, Hard Fries, James Harris, John, John Crane, Carl, John Atkins, Atlas Monstrosa, and Travis Smith. Once again, thank you all for your support. We greatly appreciate it. And now we're back.